Because if he ever bring, doesn't bring it down, because when he brings it down, I don't put it on anyway. Anyway, here I am. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just thankful so much for you, for your goodness and for your word, and that you speak to us, and we have great understanding of how you're moving, that we can have confidence in you, Lord, and have confidence in how you made us. And so we give all thanks to you. I pray you'd anoint me, your spirit, and I just speak things of the spirit, and each heart would be open to receive. So we thank you for this morning. Just pray, use your word in a mighty way. <clears throat> amen, amen. I want you to open up this morning to Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to read 19 through 14. There's not an overhead for this, so I'm just read it uh, through. So we're looking at Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. And as I, I read it, you know, and just you know, recap, which I've been doing, you know, each Sunday, you've, you've got... Uh, and I use the round number, you know, there's a certain other details I'm leaving out. But anyway, basically you have the whole nation of Israel, uh, millions of Jews, and they have moved into the land now. They are in it, okay? They've crossed the Jordan. They're in the land. And so with that, with uh, God has made these promises. Actually, the promises went back to Abraham and, you know, 450 years before that. But he's made these promises, and now they're in the land, and, and in one sense, God's promises are fulfilled. They are here. They are in the land. And you, we see, as we saw the last few weeks, this messages really apply to us today so we can understand what God's doing and our position with him in, in this world. So let's look at this and say, they're in the land now, across the Jordan. God's promise, an unbelievable promise. When you had Abraham, a sole individual, and promised him this land. And now, 450 years, his descendants have moved in. Joshua chapter 4, verse 19 through 24. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? You tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you all had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us and we all crossed over. He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might, so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Cross the Jordan just like he crossed the Red Sea. He said, see what I've done. And it's a, this, is an, this is so that all the people know that the Lord is powerful. And so that we will fear the Lord. You know, so it's like, it's kind of a wow moment, if you will. And so in the uh, whole historical, biblical history. So here we've got, they're in the land. And we want, and this is important when you make applications and you understand certain things about the Old Testament that the Lord is showing us things about today. So we have a physical picture there in the land. 
Well, the New Testament reality is we're in God's kingdom. That's, that's, we, I mean, we read about Joshua and say, that's cool. Okay, and it is. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, they make movies about it and everything. So that's good. But the thing of it is, when we see it, what we see now is that is a physical picture of the spiritual work of God. And he's telling us we have this physical to look at so that we can walk in the spirit and understand what God is doing around us, even when we don't see him, when we don't see him. And so. It's interesting, so they're in the land now, and one of the first things he asked them to do before the, he said as they crossed over, he had a bunch of men, he said, take some rocks out of the middle of the Jordan. So you've got the, the priest standing at the Ark of the Covenant, they're standing in the middle of the Jordan, it's all stopped. He said, now I want you to go back, I want you to get some rocks, I want you to take them out of the Jordan, and I want you to pile them up, pile those rocks here. And when your kids ask you, what are those rocks doing there? Then you tell them what happened. And so he's saying, you remember. You remember what happened to you. And now you tell your kids what happened to you. See? And the message is what God did. So that God knew. Here's, here's a point for the kingdom. <laughs> now, God knew we had to remember. We had to remember. Things happen. He goes, and we're saying, hallelujah. But you've got to remember what happened to you. And see, and, and so understand, God understands that we need to continually remember the things that happened in our own life and what he's done so we can face the things in front of us. We don't forget it. It's just the foundation that we just move on from. This is the reason, too, in the New Testament, Jesus says, have communion. Do communion. And he, does, and he says this, in remembrance of me. Now you can say there's also, and I've heard all sorts of reasons and probably good ones about why we have communion. But one of the reasons, so remember. Just remember. He said, why? Well, why we come here? I don't know why you come. But you're going to have communion and you're going to remember. See, so that's an important point. One of the things about communion is that we remember. We're forced to remember, you know, call together. And I'm sure kids... Mom, Dad, what are you doing this for? And then you have to explain to them. Well, this is why we're taking bread. Why are you taking the bread? <laughs> this is how we take it. Why are you taking And then you have to explain the gospel to them. And then most of the time they won't take it. Oh, can I take it? You know, and then we usually say, well, have you accepted Christ? You know, and then you have that conversation, you know. And God goes, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Remember and explain it. See? So that's why. We, so spiritually, you know, it's, it, it's spiritually, we, we, we have this um, whole view of you have these rocks. So you remember. And so spiritually, we say, oh, we have communion. So you remember. We see, the, there, there really is a correlation. And so when you see these Old Testament books like Joshua, you say, well, physically, but you know this is what's happening spiritually. And God's doing it. And we know it. Because we, what we saw in the Old Testament, and now we believe on it, what we see in the New Testament. No, it's happening, even though we don't see it. All right? And then the other thing, uh, <laughs> they, you know, they go on and they, other things, they tell, them, uh, tell the people of Israel once they're in here the first day. And, and what they say is, uh, we need, he tells the Israelites, okay, you're here, now you need to openly identify with God. You need to openly identify with God. All right. Now, what they say here is 
to do this is circumcision. That's the way he told Abraham, and that's why he tells them. So by doing the circumcision, they're identifying with God. They're separate from everybody else. That's why they did that. That's what God chose, and they did that. And it is a part of identification. Identification. That's who you are. That's who you are, and you have shown that by crossing into the land. Now into the land, okay, you're remembering with the wrong, but now you're identifying with God, and they did it with circumcision. And this is the verse, this is what God said after that um, in Joshua 5, 9. I do have overhead here. Joshua 5, 9 says this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, now, after circumcision, see, now today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. That's why they didn't. Okay, so we process well, the reproach of Egypt. Egypt represents the world, sin, the world thing. That's what he's called them all. And he says, now you're identified with me, and you've rolled away. You've rolled away the reproach of Egypt. You're my people. So this means that with the reproach of Egypt rolled away, it means the world's influences and sin are rolled away. Okay? They're in their country. They're in the country. And all the sins and influence of Egypt have been rolled away. Now, in the New Testament sense, it's a New Testament sense, and you make it to help you understand some of the things in the New Testament. In the New Testament sense, we have baptism. It says, and all your sins will be washed away. And really, you know, well, no, it's an identification that all your sins have been uh, washed away and in some places and in some countries you will never be part of the kingdom or they consider you part of the kingdom until you're baptized because then okay they just took that final step now I've heard and I'm not 100% sure and it's like in Muslim countries and stuff like that they just you, know, you can say whatever you know just kind of but once you're baptized then you're ostracized because they know they, they took that step no this is for real for these people so the Muslims would reject Christians. But the identifying factor is not what you said, it's what you did. And so the baptism, you identified with Christ. Now, so there's a lot of reasons for, you know, buried in his likeness, you know, in his death, raised in his likeness. You you identify with him. So baptism has is an outward picture of people, you know, who have identified with Christ, you know, and that's the reason baptism is so often important because you're making a statement, you know, of identification with Christ. And I, when, in my mind, what I do when I talk about uh, baptism and they say, why? And I say, you make a step and you're identifying an outward sign of your inward belief. You identify. But the point of, you see, the connection. See, they came into the kingdom. They're in the land you know, by that process, we're in the kingdom. See, we're in the kingdom. Now, they were in the land before they did that. Then they did it. We're in the kingdom. We accept Christ. But then we do that to confirm what we believe. Amen? Now, again, I'm going into the details. Like, well, why are you doing the, Really, the big point I'm getting at is Joshua is telling us something about how to operate in the land. So it's telling us how the church rolls over and what he's trying to do and to show how the church operates in the land, in the kingdom. 
You're in the kingdom. And it really does mean when you, you really are in the kingdom. You really are in the kingdom. Well, I didn't see anything. Well, no, you're in the kingdom. Just like Joshua went over into the land. When you do this, you're in the kingdom. You're different now. Remember me. Remember what I did. Identify with me. You know, and, and, so, and that's what he's telling. So the church is different from the world. Now, so now also, and I didn't read this, but also in that same section, it tells them, so they're all together. He tells them to do that, and then he tells them this, celebrate the Passover. First thing he says, while you're there, celebrate the Passover. Now, what the Passover is, is, you know, that's been established and given to them, you know, when Moses came out, he painted blood over the doorpost, and that death angel passed over, there his people, and so now he says, you do this every year, the Passover, to remember, you know, and we know that's the blood of Jesus, okay? He passes over. Sacrifice the lamb. We know the lamb's the blood of Jesus. That's all Old Testament stuff. And so he gets into new. Now you're in the land. You're in the kingdom. I just did a great miracle. You understand how following me, how I went before you. Now I want you to do. Now sacrifice. Passover lamb. I want you to remember what got you here. Do the Passover. Now, in the New Testament, you know, so that's Old Testament, to recognize their new life in the land. That's the reason they celebrate the Passover first thing. And the New Testament clearly says, and I love this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, Christ is our Passover lamb. Christ is our Passover lamb. He's the source of our new life. That's what we do in the land. It's the Passover lamb. That's the source of our new life. In the Old Testament, Joshua, they sacrificed the Passover. Remember, this is, this is the source of our new life. There's the picture. Now we live in the reality. Amen? So it's really powerful how it ties together. And then, these, then my verse that I love so much has so much power to it. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin so that... In him we might become the righteousness of God. They did it with the Passover in the land. We did it on the cross with Christ. See? Picture reality. So, anyway, this should make everybody really, really, really more interested in the Old Testament. <laughs> okay? Because it's a picture. You know, it's, you can see it. You can't kind of put your arms around it. Now, so here we're moving. So he's not stopped here. He's telling them. You know, I mean, they're just camped out. They're just across the river camped out. You know, they haven't moved. The land's theirs, and they've crossed the river. But he, he's just now he's equipping them to live in that land they passed over. You know, it's like you have somebody come to know Christ, you know, and then you walk with them as they live in this new kingdom that they've come into, and they really don't quite understand how to do it. You know, we walk because the kingdom's different. Well, this is what God's doing to the... Jews here as they're coming in. He's, now, this is how you live in this land, okay? Remember what I did. Remember, identify with me. It's Christ, the Passover lamb, is reason here. This, so all these things happen in the Old Testament, and this is what happens in us in the New Testament. Now, also what's interesting is so you've had these Israelites wandering around in the desert for 40 years, okay? That's a, I always think about that sometimes. Forty years, I say, Lord, they all they had to go forty. That's a long time, you know. And you know, it's like, how about you know? I just wander around maybe two months. <laughs> you 
you know, let the Lord do his thing. But they, so here these people have wandered around 40 years in the desert. And all this time, all this time, they were fed manna from heaven. I mean, you can't hardly imagine. Manna from heaven. They, there's nothing to eat in the desert. Now, they had other things. But this manna from heaven daily. They got this daily manna from heaven. And, you know, New Testament even calls it, John 6 calls it, Christ goes, I'm the bread of life. You know, I'm the manna from heaven. So even that has a picture, you know, usually. Well, when they entered the land, when they entered the land, uh, God's economy changes for his people they enter the land and God's economy for the people changes the manna stops the manna stops as soon as they cross the river the manna stops as soon as they cross the Jordan now listen to this in Joshua 5.11 and I just put manna stop on the overhead because I didn't want to write the whole thing but Joshua 5.11 now, again, as I read this, as you know, for, take this as one whole. This is not bits and pieces throughout the Bible. Bible, this is, he's putting all this together so that we understand this whole picture is one here. Okay, the day after the Passover, and it's, again, they had the Passover, they acknowledged Christ, you know, in, in, in the picture, Christ is their Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land. Unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped. Manna stopped. As soon as they ate grain of the land, the manna stopped. The day after they ate this food from the land, there was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. Produce of Canaan. Now, so <laughs> remember God's physical promise to the Israelites as he's moving them across the Jordan. He moves them into the land. And, and he, said that, he, he said that every place where you step in Joshua 1.3, he said every place where you set your foot is yours, every place. And the promise is you're going to eat from the produce of the land. And when they came into the land, the basic need for manna was replaced placed by the abundant produce from the land. I mean, in, in other places, he goes in great detail. I mean, he calls like honey from the rock and stuff. And he talks about this abundance of produce that they are going to walk into. And he, said, he even says this. It's, other people raised it up. I'm going to give it to you. You're walking from the basic need to the abundant produce of the land when you stop that. But as, they had, but as they participated in that, the manna stopped. The economy changes. See, And so even in coming to Christ and we move in there, our economy changes and his provisions change for us. But his provisions change for us because why? You jump back, you got some rocks, I remember, you, you know, identifying with you. I celebrate the Passover, I'm cleansed. Now I pour out the abundance I can do that now because you can handle it because you have this foundation. Couldn't give it to you before because you start worshiping the produce. See? Now you're back here and say, oh, this, is, this is what God gave. This is what God gave. Praise Jesus for that. Because you know, you're standing on what he's already done. You know? 
But in doing that, he said, I wanted to fulfill my promises for you always. I wanted to give it to you always, but you never could handle it. Never could handle it. And I have to prepare you in such a way that you can handle it, give me the glory. And then I have no problem with giving you everything I promised because you can handle it and you do what you're supposed to do with it. That makes sense. Here, this is, and you all know this, and this is like a hundred percent. I mean, it's like, a, and I maybe I'm sure there's exception, but you see all these people that win these millions of dollars, you know, pull a ticket, so and so run a million dollars or a billion. I mean, all this money, you know, and so they give it to this family, they have it checked, and, and I'm gonna say almost because I don't have all the facts here, but here, almost a hundred percent of those people within a few years are broke. They're broke. They can't handle it. They can't handle it, you know. And they get it once, and they oh, I, this everything's worked. No, they're broke because they can't handle it. And you don't. And you have people like, and you watch. I had I worked for a guy, and you watch people with a lot of money, you know, most of, and and you they can ir- really irritate you. But a lot of those people are really smart, and they work really hard, and they know. Maybe not God, but they know how it works, and they can make lots of no money and know know how to keep it. See, so so when we see, but that principle is here. God said, "Why didn't He call Israelites out of Egypt?" You know, which then He said, "Here it is." <laughs> you know, and they prove. When they didn't have it, they couldn't even handle what they had. I mean, they did. They really proved basic human nature is not very good. I mean, they really did. And um, so, so again, it's the re- But the point of it is, why am I piling up these rocks? Well, you teach us when your kids ask you, because they don't know either. <laughs> Do any of you doubt that your kids didn't have a clue what God has done with you to this point. <laughs> you, just, you just try, oh God, listen, please, listen, you know. And so, but we remember, again, a simple thing. Identify with God, okay? You identify with God. Then you, you know, you celebrate the Passover. You identify through baptism. You remember, you remember, you're remembering the foundation you already have. You're trying to pass it on. And God said, I can trust. The, the blessings of all the world are not an issue with us. The issue is with us handling them. I work for a guy that God bless him. Well, I don't know if I should say God bless him. And Linda would know who I thought, who he is. But I, I worked for him. And he and I will call him. I'm making a point. He was basically a crook. Okay, he was an honest crook. Okay, because what he could did, he could do, be connive and get every nickel you had, and every nickel everybody else had, and he would just kind of grow his fortune. But he never broke the law. He he, he never broke the law. See, and I worked for him a while, and he actually took me under his arm like he was going to teach me you know, like how to, I guess, do what he did. And he would tell me certain things. And, you know, I didn't know. I said, I just didn't know. But he'd tell me. And I thought, well, that, I mean, that's flat. Mean what you're doing. I said, I can't. You've got to be kidding. I think it. I wouldn't say it. He said, you see what I did? And I go, yeah, I did. I said, good grief. That was 
putrid, you know, I wouldn't say it, but he would tell me. Well, I didn't know he was trying to groom me. I mean, this is how you would do it. He, he did one thing. He said, did you see that? He said, this is why I do it, and that's why you do it. And I thought, you sorry sucker. I mean, <laughs> so I wasn't being groomed, but I didn't understand what was going on, you know, but basic foundation. But he told me one thing. He said, he, he says, what you can do, he says, you get all the money in the world. And he says, you just throw it up in the air, in the world. Just throw it up in the world. Take everybody's money. He goes, in 10 years, the people that have the money now will have it then. That's true. Do you understand what I'm saying? You take all the money in the world and throw it in the world. The people who have the money now, at the end of 10 years, the same people have the money because they understand it, they understand how to get it, and they will take care of it. See? Well, in one sense, God's saying that about us. <laughs> so he prepares us. He said, now, you know how. Now you live it. You all with me? This is what Joshua is telling us. This is what Joshua is telling us. And this is the reason he didn't take the Israelites, Israelites in 40 years early. Couldn't handle it. Wouldn't have handled it. Wouldn't have handled it. So anyway, Linda and I are thankful for this guy and caused lots of pain and heartache. But anyway, we learned from him. It's you learned everything. People are like that, and that's not what you do, and that's not how God works, you know. But we almost had to see it. We never dreamed we never dreamed uh, that people would operate. Y'all want another story? Now this is, and again, this is where you learn. Now you got to realize where Linda and I, I, have to, I mean, I'm trying to think a word to describe how naive Linda and I were. Now I just can't think of one because I don't think there's such a word to describe how naive we were. And we were, this is when we first got married, you know, we... Mitch was like a year old, and so we're, you're working for this guy you talk about, and so you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. And this guy, we had a car. Now, and this is the principle. I want you to understand the principle and how the world works. You thought, oh, no. In, in fact, I'm getting ahead of him. There's a guy came, and he went to a church, the church for a while, and he got in a situation. He told me what happened. It was a whole different thing. But the principal, when he told me, he said, can you believe that happened? And I, my mind went back to this thing. Yeah, that's the way it happened. Yeah, I totally believe it. He couldn't believe it. And this guy was really high up in business and had more money on the table than what we did. And, and what happened to him, and the guy told him, he says, you can't do anything about this. Because he knew, I mean, he, didn't, he had no problem with, you know, his character being a snake. You know, it didn't bother him. And so he told us, listen, this is what it is. He said, but you, but you. Well, I don't care. This is what it is. And he said, anyway. So he walked off from this, and he said, gosh, I can't believe he would do that. And the thing of it is, no, we should absolutely, totally believed he would do that. See, that's what we should do. Like, and again, it's, uh, it's being smart, understanding the world around you. But he, here's the principle. We had a car. We got there. And it's like 20 years old, 21 years old. And we bought this car. I had this car. I mean, we couldn't buy groceries. 
Okay, and we, I mean, this is a big, oh man, this thing, big, high performance car. I mean, this thing, I mean, it could run. I mean, these cars are like NASCAR. I mean, that's coming off assembly line, okay? And we had us one. We, that's exactly what we needed, you know, car. Couldn't pay our rent, we couldn't buy a car, but we bought this car. And so, being out in, we also bought the car, and you got paid. Well, from the day we bought it, we're underwater, okay? So we, uh, owe more on the car than it's worth from day one from day one and so when the thing doesn't work well you're, you can't give it away you know and you're trying to get fit. so we went up there and this guy now in california anyway long story some of you know it and this guy came up so i'm working for him and he he won uh i just get a picture i just use this picture i wasn't planning on sharing it but this picture i hope it applies to the messaging but he wore a big cowboy hat and he had diamonds in it. He, he had diamonds in it, like that. And so, and he, he, and, and he had a toothpick, and he sat there and he talked to us. I mean, he's, he's a millionaire, self-made millionaire. And so he pushed his hand up. He goes, you got to get rid of that car. That's the first thing you got to do. He says, you can't do it. You got to get rid of it. I said, well, I know, we, you know, not, but we can't. I, I thought, yeah, we can't. We owe too much money. He can't get rid of it. He said, I'll take care of it. Now, see, now, that's the biggest mistake, because what's happening, you're getting sucked in. He's sucking you in right now. Oh, I didn't know. I can't. He said, I'll take care of it. So, all right. So he said, okay, I got this. A couple of weeks later, he said, I got this guy to take his car. I said, he said, yeah, no problem. So he walks in, and he will meet with it, went in his office, and met. This guy walks in, and... I mean, I don't know. He has like a 19-inch neck, you know, and his shirt collar like sticks out like straight like that. I mean, and he, he arms, you know, as big as my legs right here, and they're tied around here. And he has like a gold chain on. Like, and so he just walks in. I mean, it's like a gorilla. He walks in, and, and he sits down, and he says, hey, he introduces me to him, and he says, you, you need to get rid of this boy's car for him. He tell, tell me about it. He told him, he said, he owes too much money. I can't do it. I said, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah, see, he puts his hat up. He goes, yeah. He says, you know that loan you owe me? He said, yeah. He said, get rid of the car or pay me now. I thought, holy, somebody's going to die right here. I just... <laughs> Somebody is going to die. I mean, it's like I was petrified. I couldn't believe he said that to him. And I back back there, and the and the guy and the guy he's dealing with, he's no, he's not new to this. I mean, he, he just like, all right, I'm like, all right. Is it? And the car just disappeared. <laughs> it's just gone. I mean, the car just gone. But now, anyway, I won't tell you the story that happened. After that, well, yes, I will. I got a knock on the door. It's a year later. year later. Knock on the door. And the guy said, is your name Wallace Mitchell? I said, yeah. He's here. He gave me a subpoena. See, I didn't even know what a subpoena was. I had a subpoena. I mean, I, I'm literally, you're thinking you're making, no, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I didn't want, I opened it up, read it. It says, your owner of this such, such car. See, he got rid of it. He didn't necessarily 
take me off the title, you know. He says, you're owner of such and such car, and it has been used in a robbery. And we need you to come and, you know, and, and to testify. And I'm going, I, not, I just, you know, I didn't know you had the code, so I just re- had to return I just sent it back to him. I said, I, I, know, I, said, I had, don't have this car, somebody else had this car, and I, you know, I'm not having anything to do with it, and sent it back. Now, but what's he want me? You know who went to jail over all that? No, but maybe those guys who robbed the bank that this guy had by the car or whatever, you know, maybe, you know, yes, they, hey, I buy a car, yeah, sure, we're going to go use it, rob a bank. We'll just leave. But what I'm saying, it is like, that's what you do when you give too much money to people that can't handle it. Or that's what you do when you get people that are not understanding, you know, kind of sheep among the wolves. That's what happens, see. And nobody felt bad about that whole transaction. Scared the living daylights out of me. Now, I back all that to say, but that's how that's how Linda and I learned. We didn't know anything, but after a while, you learn. And this is where the guy said, "Can you believe the guy did this?" I said, "Yeah, I knew a guy just like him." But anyway, now the whole point of this, I'm going to bring it back to Joshua, is you bring it. God knows, and He says these people, and you think all the time what God spent in Old Testament working with these people, giving this system a sacrificial system and all this thing, and He's trying to get them to a point where he can trust them with the things he's given to them. And they started, these folks started, and when they went in, they were ready, and they did well early on. They did well early on. But he says, but what he knew, he goes, you know, your kids, they're not going to know this. They're not going to know this. You need to remind them. I'm going to put that you remind them. You teach them because they're not going to know. Now, this is what Joshua said, and this is to explain the whole thing. Why, and you, nobody asks this, you, oh, it's just a big story. Why in the world they crossed, I mean, this whole thing across in, you know, the Jordan, and we talked about that last week, and see God's word. He said, okay, now, identify with me. Identify with me. Paul, he's saying, remember me. You have to, you know, get your folks so you can tell the kids, celebrate this Passover. You know it's Christ. Now, it's a picture of Christ. We know it's a Christ, you know. And so we have communion. How many take communion? Oh, good God. I have cake and communion. It's just like last month. In fact, Wallace said the same thing. Last month he did this month, you know. It's like, you know, remember. You remember the whole scenario, see. Because he, he goes, you're in the land now I'm hoping you can handle it. I couldn't give it to you 400 years ago. Now, I'm give it to you. now you can handle it. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't a problem of getting the land. It's a problem of getting the people ready to go into the land. You see? And so this is what this is saying. This is the thing that's telling us. So we see this principle. So as we see this principle, then we can make the applications to our own life. Let me get out here. Okay. So y'all with me here? Okay. So, by the way, <laughs> sharing that story, it should communicate. Nothing's changed from here to here. 
Okay? The devious people hadn't changed from here to here. And those simple people that don't understand like me haven't changed from here to here. Everybody's just repeating the same thing over and over. On both sides. Those that don't know and those that are devious. Like that. See? So, so here we have this whole thing. The manna stop. Like he said, okay, you, you've got this and the abundance is coming in. So the manna stop. And I'm going to give you every place where you set your foot. And so here in the New Testament, we have the spiritual fulfillment spiritual fulfillment and this makes more sense and you look at colossians chapter 1 verse 13 through 14 here's the spiritual fulfillment for he for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and forgiveness sin came into the land we're in the kingdom and i can trust you with all the riches of the kingdom. Because you're going to handle it with wisdom and know how to handle it. By the way, this guy that I worked for that went through all this, he knew how to handle money. He knew how to handle money. You know, you talk about investments and things. He knew how to handle it. See? So, so don't, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And a lot of sweetest people in the world don't know how to handle it. And therefore they lose it. Or they do something dumb with it. See, so you need to know. And God said, oh, I'll show you. <laughs> you know, I'll show you. By the way, as you can tell that that happened, you know, some over 50 years ago, I haven't forgot one iota of what happened. You know, in fact, I feel like I go home, I'm just going to build a stack of rocks out in the front yard just so I won't remember, you know. Because it was... A, Totally for Linda, I, it was a character uh, building wisdom thing like that. Wisdom thing. And re- again, know, know when this happened. I can get rid of that for you. That's how I sucked in. Okay. I know you couldn't, but he said, no, you can't. <laughs> and you shouldn't. When he said that, no, you'd go, no, I'm not doing it. You see, but see, that's when you have to understand up front, not in it, not in it. All right, so here we go. Now, so Joshua gives us a physical example of taking the land as promise. The New Testament shows us the spiritual reality of the church in taking care of the situation, the terrible situations we are in, like a car that you're underneath and can't get out from. Instead of trying to get somebody say, I can get rid of that for you, you know? It's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you, and we're going to work out of this situation and see you show yourself strong like that and see what the Lord says. And so we see the spirit, spiritual reality of God working what this man did. He showed me the world's way of working and how you get sucked into the world and his way of doing things. See, the church is supposed to be smarter than that. Now, it's just like this. Hebrews 13, 6. Hebrews 13, 6. So we say with confidence in the kingdom, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? There it is. 
It also says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. But do you see the temptation of when God, well, how the world will make a promise. Imagine may even fulfill the promise. You know, I'll get rid of your car. Now, do you think God could have said, I'll take care of the car, <laughs> you know, and I'll teach you in the process how to trust me? Of course he would, you know. But so the whole point of it is, is that we have to understand that situation and have enough uh, belief in God that we can move and follow him in impossible situations. Even if some of the impossible situations are the ones we put ourselves into. Okay, now, so here we are. We have the principle in the land. Hallelujah, I make you across the Jordan. You're in the land, he says. You're remembering, and now you need to start operating like you're in the land and not like you're in the desert, okay? Look what happens next in Joshua, which is fascinating. When you look at it, you go, what? You know, it's one of those things that's just stuck in there out of the blue. But when you look at it in context, you say, oh, my gosh, okay, I see what's going on. So now you're in the land. You've done all these things, locked in with God. You're ready to move forward. And then this happens. Joshua 5.13 says this. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or are you for our, or for our enemies? And so it's kind of like an angelic thing. And so he sees this guy, they're ready to go, and he says, you for us? You for our enemies. See, in the land, God's spiritual presence rules through a warrior confirming his promises. Just to let you know, there's angels in the land. There's angels with the mighty. So there's a spiritual presence that Joshua saw and what he found out from this spiritual praise, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And what we see here, God doesn't choose sides. He doesn't choose sides. For me, you're for the enemy. Look what it says in Joshua 5.14. For us, you're for our enemies. The man says, neither. Neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. And Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does the Lord have for his servant? See, God's spiritual angelic warrior in the land is taking over to fulfill the promises. This is really, this is, this will be fascinating you think about this. This warrior, this spiritual being, this presence of Christ he came to take over, not choose sides. Now think, there's a difference between choosing sides and taking over. He didn't come to choose. Well, I'm for the Republicans and not for the Democrats. Or I'm for this and I'm not for you. I'm not for your neighbor. I'm a, no, that's why he doesn't do, work that. No, he said, I've come. I don't choose sides. I've come to take over everything. 
And you see that? You see, now, have changed. Now, just think about how the view in the kingdom has changed right now. No, he just, he said, I'm sorry. I come to take over. Do not ask, Lord, are you for us or against us? You say, God, take over. Just take over. Because you're going to tell me something that's not going to make any sense. And you're probably going to tell me something I'm going to think you really like my enemies more than me. You know, it just take over. So I just see you moving. You take over, and I'm going to follow behind what you say. And then, and this is really important what this guy says now. Joshua 5.15. The commander of the, now this is not, I've come to take over. Then the commander of the Lord replied, take off your sandals. The place where you are standing is holy ground. How many times have we saw that show up? Place where you're standing, totally green. Where is Joshua? Joshua's in the kingdom. <laughs> He's in the kingdom. Take off your shoes. The kingdom's holy ground. I didn't come to choose in size. I came to take over. And they can't take off your shoes. You're in holy ground. So it's like the church. Take off your shoes. You're in holy ground. Come to take over. See? So your prayer and your view is like, Kind of, it's like, okay, everything here, he's taking over, and we're coming forward, and our eyes are wide open to see exactly what the Lord is doing. And listen to this. This is so important. The holy ground is not a place of personal achievement. This guy I worked for, you know, made all that money. His world was a place of personal achievement. And he did well at it. And he would do anything necessary to achieve it. This place where God's talking about for us in the kingdom to Joshua and for us in the kingdom of God is not a place of personal achievement. Ours is fixed on the Lord and what is the Lord doing? God's given us the land. We're just supposed to step into it. Now, the view, this whole view is different because we're not stepping into it by ourselves. We're stepping into it knowing that God has taken over. See, the whole view. Well, I step here because I thank God's for him. I won't step, step here because I don't think God. No, you step into what God's doing because God's taken over, and our view is what God is doing. So you're on holy ground. Holy ground. You take the step. It's not your personal achievement. It's your trust in me. You take the step in what I'm showing you here. What I'm showing you here. Now, in the kingdom, y'all with me? There's a dip. I mean, it's kind of like you're splitting straws a little bit, but you're really not. It's a huge difference. It really is a huge difference. So God has taken over in the kingdom, and so it's His. We're on holy ground. So He's running this thing. So we're following what He says. We're following what He says in this whole thing. Now. King David, with all his faults and error, King David understood this. God used King David, and you read what he said, and God was telling King David to do all sorts of stuff. like that. And King David followed, and God blessed King David, and King David knew, and he had an understanding, a spiritual understanding. When you read about King David, other than his obvious sin, you see how he totally understood how moving in the kingdom and following God. And Jesus said about King David, he goes, this is a man after my own heart. 
Why didn't he say about Joshua? Why didn't he say about Moses? Why didn't he say about David? No, see, David understood. And David's a man after my own heart. And he could walk with me and understood in the land. He did in the land what he was supposed to do. And he had his eyes set on me. Where I told him to step, he stepped. And here's an example. I love this picture. I put, you know, there's a, I put a piece of a, the overhead up here. But 2 Samuel 5, 23. And, and then, now, David has given us a picture. There's, now, we're going to see an Old Testament picture. But I want you to bring it into your New Testament life right now. Okay, and this is what David did. He just had this battle. And Second Samuel five twenty three, David inquired of the Lord. Okay, now first of all, this is what David did. He did it every time. He did it every single time. David inquired of the Lord, and God answered him. Listen, David, do not go straight up but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. Now, that's pretty good direction. <laughs> okay, David said, you tell me what to do. He, he said, I want to go this way. No, no, he said, don't do this. He says, he said, well, what do you want me to do, God? He said, well, you go around, make a circle, and you attack them in front of the poplar trees. Then God said this. So David as soon as you hear marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out ahead of you. So he's in the trees. He's around here. He's going over here. So no, you just go up by the trees and you go here. And says, when you hear the marching in the tops of the trees, the Lord has gone. He goes, I've moved my army. You get in front of it, and when you hear that marching in the trees, I'm moving my army, and when they go past, then you come and you win. Why did he win? Because he had a tough army? It, you know, it says the Psalms are proper. He says, don't trust your sword. Don't trust strong horses. He says it. No, listen to what the Lord says, and when you hear the marching in the tops of the poplar trees, then you go out. Because I will win it. And you just follow behind after I've already won it spiritually. I win it spiritually. And they're defeated. Therefore, you'll win it when you come behind me. That is, right, it's life in the kingdom. There's a physical picture. Now we have the spiritual reality right now. See? And so God is really showing us something here. Now, um, we see, uh, we see what we understand that David already had the victory. He just needed to follow. Did, was there any question in the victory? No. And there wasn't any question because God moved. Wasn't any question. And so what is it telling the church? What is it telling you individually? What is it telling the church? We should move. We should move. As soon as we see God moving above us. Before us. Now that goes back to when they crossed the Jordan. He said, "Okay, the, the, the covenant, mark the, the covenant's going to go through. You follow it because you've never been this way before. It's going, and you stay a thousand yards behind. Well, I can't get anything done. That's the idea, <laughs> you know, because you're going to mess up my plan. And so we go behind. And right here, what David did is the same thing. When you hear the marching top of the tree." 
did you go? And nothing changed, folks. And nothing changed. Now, my friend, he's not a friend. He, the guy I work for, the, the guy I work for, he didn't need to wait to hear the marching top the poplar trees. You know, he would go and he would out talk, you know, put stink, you know, little, you know, lines and contracts and whatever thing else, and he would achieve personally. He was full of personal accomplishment. And God goes, yeah, no, yeah, that's not what you do. You wait for me. And when you see God moving above him, you know, before, then you follow. Then you follow. See, and that's where the confidence comes in. But again, report. The Old Testament shows us what's happening. The New Testament, it shows us, okay, we don't see this, but we know what's happening. We know. Why? Because the Old Testament just shows us. Nothing's changed. God hasn't changed anything. And I've heard people, why didn't God just get the land to Abraham and all the people and not wait 450 years? Because the people couldn't handle it. Not because he couldn't do it. <laughs> the people couldn't handle it. You know, why Linda and I had to experience this gentleman, you know, like that, is in, why didn't he just, you know, give us some blessings of the land. Well, we probably would have bought another NASCAR right off the bat. You know, that's probably the first thing we would have done. And, you know, who knows? It's like, you know, we need, they need to learn a few things, you know, before I can give them anything. And I'm, all the things, and I always go back on this. Why couldn't the Lord just, like, whisper, like, Wallace, or give me a pamphlet? You know, and I never get He gives me something like this guy, which you never forget. You know, see, so don't be surprised he uses the word to teach us, to teach us, see. And that's, that's why it's like he didn't come to choose sides, he came to take over. Was God in that situation with that man getting rid of my car? Yeah, what was the goal of that? <laughs> so, <laughs> me... And then, don't ever do that again, you know. So we learned that lesson. But he just took over. See? Well, you for me? Well, you even have dinner. For me to let him do. Are you for him? Everything. He got all the money. I don't have nothing. Man, I can't even buy groceries because I have this car. But <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So the whole thing, God is really pretty clear about what he's doing. And what I found out about myself is I am pretty dense about what he's doing, you know. And again, it's like, it's not human achievement. It's God's accomplishment. But you've got to trust God and follow behind him when you hear him moving over you and before you to see the reality of him working. Amen? Powerful. And then said. And so now we're going to see, so that's how the church is supposed to move. And we go, well, how are we supposed to know? Read the Bible, you know, believe what God says. You know, and then you have to learn as you move forward. So there's the Old Testament picture. <laughs> the army moving above you and before you. And then you follow. Now listen to what the New Testament says. Ephesians 1, 23. This is what the New Testament, and God's talking about his church. He's talking about Christ and the church. And God placed all things 
under his feet. There we got about putting your feet again, okay? God placed all things under whose feet? Christ's feet. All things are under his But God, you don't know happen, what's happening in Loudon's school system. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I didn't come pick side. I came to take over. So I was like, my church right. I can take care of Loudon. See, we want to take care of Loudon first. <laughs> he goes, no, it doesn't work that way. you got to get right with me first. And then whatever I use you for, all you do is praise me daylight after dark. Because you already know and have confirmed you didn't do it. You just followed when you heard the moving above and before. And you just followed. And you know full well who accomplished it. Therefore, I can trust you with all the riches of heaven. Because you will handle them correctly. Amen. Amen. Where do you get that? Old Testament. <laughs> See? So here's the spiritual. Okay. Back to Ephesians 1.22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church. Why is Christ over everything? For the church. Which is his body. The fullness of Jesus who fills everything in every way. Take over. Take over. Take over. This is not human achievement, but God accomplishment. <laughs> How did we get saved? How did we saved? You know? It wasn't a human achievement. It's divine accomplishment. Nothing's ever changed. Nothing's ever changed. All these promises are only attainable through Jesus. Acts 4.12, salvation is found as no one else but Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given unto mankind by which we must be saved. Be saved. Now, now here's something. It's just, it's a fact. It's a, many Christians live like Jesus doesn't exist. You just take Jesus out of the world, there would be nothing changed in most Christians' life. Nothing. They go about the same thing believe in Jesus, I don't go to hell. But then they work the system. You know. And I mean, I don't mean it's bad. I mean, you, you just, you know, work sin. But if it took Jesus out, nothing would change about their life. They just continue doing the things that they do. See? Accept him in name only. But God tells us in this, and we see, we're to live like Jesus is alive and take the land before us fulfilling all his promises. We're to live like he... Well, why is this is supernatural? It's just like, who could do this? It's, no, it's living like Jesus is alive. This is not a human achievement. It's living like Jesus is... Well, I did this, and it didn't work. Well, did you hear God moving above you and going before you? Well, no, but, you know, I got all my investment guys, and they said this was the best move. It's like, well, that's like that guy I worked for. That's what he did. Except he is smarter than you. He would know a bad one from a good one. He never lost a nickel. You know? He never lost. Yeah. I mean, if you ever want to make money, this is the guy I talk to. I mean, he would tell you how to money. He could also tell you how to get somebody else's money and make them think it was like their idea. <laughs> he was an amazing guy. I, I, I thank God for this guy. You know? And I don't... I don't know that God was for, but God took over. 
took over. One of the biggest lessons in my life, you know. And I would have swore at the time, you God, you're for him. You don't care nothing about me. You know, no, I just took over. I took over. Because I can't bless you with anything because you can't handle it. You can't. And by the way, you can give the sweet, darnest Christian in the world a million dollars. year they'd be broke too. You know, being saved doesn't give you financial wisdom understanding the things of God and how God teaches us and leads us, gives us wisdom. But we have to live like he is alive. He is alive. I'm underwater on this car, God. You're alive. All right, you got to help me get out of this thing. I can get you out. No, I don't want you to get me out of nothing. God, help me know how to go forward to handle this car. See? You see what I'm saying? And, and it's a pr- and this, by the way, this is in Joshua. This is what God's telling. God's telling. All right. Now go. Now go. So, it, so we, I'll leave you with this going. It's really simple. Live like Jesus is alive. That's it. I mean, it's that simple. It's, it's that simple. Live like Jesus is is alive. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, it's amazing. You look at it. And and you know, at my age, Lord, I think I look back at the years and it's like, oh my gosh. You know, I'm just uh, overwhelmed at what I didn't know. I'm overwhelmed by your grace. And that, (laughs) Lord, that each time... I felt like I was drowning. You kept my head above water. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And we all give all things to you. We trust you, God. You be our teacher. And then let us, you know, have our ear listening to you, taking a step at a time. And understand you're doing more than we could ever, ever comprehend. Ever comprehend. And so we give thanks to you. And, Lord, let's give thanks for one thing. We are in your kingdom. We are forgiven. And we have a home in heaven with you. We thank you for that. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.